gets. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Back at it again. It's another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast. With your host, R.I.C. and the police to be Rick Saratella. Tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft. It's 2002. It's what we do. And hey, we got a jam-packed episode for you. Of course, with the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Russ Landy. He'll be joining me in just a moment to recap the past week, preview the week ahead, as we count you down closer to the 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas and uh, Getting some news here that uh, the Caesars Forum is the most likely venue for the 2020 NFL Draft. Something to keep in mind if you're booking plans and making reservations to be out there for Las Vegas style. Um, You know, we're going to cover a lot of bases here. Obviously, there are all-star game invites being uh, sent out. There's also... um, the college football playoffs that we'll take a peek at. And of course, uh, to do that is Russell Landy with two decades of scouting experience, of course, in the NFL, XFL, CFL, uh, cutting his teeth with the UCLA Bruins back in the early days. And uh, we're excited here to talk some football like we do each and every week. Boy, oh boy, the college football season has flown by. Three months down, and uh, not a frown to be found here because we love football all day, every day. The action is kicking in. There's games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Russell, I know you're over there in the man cave with, like, your three uh, big screen TVs on the monitors, my man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. The problem is they're all focused on New York Rangers. I mean, that's the more important thing. I mean, this draft stuff, I mean, come on. Let's Let's focus on the important things in life. Well, you're speaking a foreign language to me, my friend. I I couldn't help you out. Uh, it's been, that I you know. know since, <laughs> hey, since Wayne Gretzky was rocking the 9-9 for the Rangers, it's been that long. But, uh, you know, the Mark Messier and, and all the uh, fun memories there. But right now we're inside the draft bubble, and that's what we do here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast with Russellmania. And, uh, you know, Russ, another <laughs> <laughs> another exciting uh, week. It's like a battle royale. Every week uh, there's another team on the ropes. Uh, you know, this week we have uh, Georgia in the college football playoffs at number four, uh, LSU up at top, Clemson in the mix. Uh, who knows with uh, Tua, you know, how uh, the Alabama season is going to shake out now. So uh, there's a lot of moving and shaking. In the college football playoffs, we'll we'll talk about that later on in the show. But uh, let's take a look back at the week that was, and you know, just get your you know thoughts and impressions of the overall uh, college football landscape. You know, I got to say, I mean, I was so pumped um, watching the games. I actually got up Sunday morning and rewatched Oklahoma Baylor. I said, you know. I think I missed something. I saw I saw some good stuff, but I really wanted to see it again. And I got to tell you, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, 
all over the field, there's a lot of NFL players. When you look at that Oklahoma-Baylor game, I mean, everybody obviously is talking about Jalen Hurts and, and the Brewer kid who's, who I can't envision any way he'd come out early this year. Um, but then even guys, I mean, the, the Morris, the receiver for Oklahoma, I mean, you talk about a guy stepping up and having a big game. I mean, he's not a guy when you look at him that you say, oh, he's running away from everybody. Get get ready. He's going to run a 4-3. But I'll tell you one thing. He is a slippery guy, sharp, um, quick cuts. I mean, he can do a lot of good things out there, makes guys miss, gains a little yards after contact. I was really impressed with him. Clearly the best game of the year. Um, it helped us. He sort of became the guy due to some injuries in that game. Uh, the other kid that really jumped out at me, and it's funny, I was looking at defensive tackle uh, Gallimore for Oklahoma. He was the guy that I sort of came into the game saying, I want to peek at him because I know he's Canadian from Ontario. And I thought, even though he's going to get a shot in the NFL, as a former CFL guy, I always like to look at those Canadian guys. And he had a good game. He's an athletic kid. He can run. He's intriguing. But you know what? The, the other team, their nose tackle, Bravion Roy, oh my goodness, number 99. I had never really studied him. There are not many guys that are over 300 pounds, and this guy's in that 320, 330, 340 range that are active and disruptive. Most guys that are over 320, they're sort of the, the, the stay-at-home, two-gap guys. They don't really make plays outside of a small area. But, man, this kid plays like his hair's on fire. He's going full speed all the time. And, yeah, is he going to chase guys down outside the, outside the numbers in pursuit? No. I mean, you can't expect that from a 320-plus-pound guy. But you talk about active. You talk about competitive. You talk about powerful, a guy that makes an impact. I was really impressed with that kid. I thought he had a really good game, did a lot of things. Um, you know, Hertz was impressive when you talk about athletically. Um, and, and if you're a team that's saying, you know what, we might want to con consider doing a lot of what the Ravens are doing, then I could see you getting excited about his potential. But I think if you're a team that runs a more traditional offense that throws the ball from the pocket, his accuracy was a real issue in the game for me. I think he missed a lot of plays, left a lot of yards on the field. And that Brewer kid, man, he is a quick little quarterback with a, with a, with a good, accurate arm. I don't know if he's got the power to make all the NFL throws, but he is a smart, heady little quarterback, but he looks tiny on, on the field when you're watching the game. I wonder when he does come out, if he's even going to measure over 5'10". He looked absolutely tiny and skinny watching him in the game. Yeah, and, you know, we could probably spend the whole episode dissecting this game. What a game it was. Exciting for college football fans. 25-point deficit, biggest come-from-behind victory in Oklahoma history, I believe. And there's that man again, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. And, you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation yesterday with Dane Vandernat, the director of uh, NFL PA Bowl. And, you know, obviously we're, you know, putting together our rosters for the Collegiate Bowl out in Pasadena. But, uh, you know, outside of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, in terms of senior quarterbacks, Russ, I think Jalen Hurts is the only other quarterback that I would use a draft pick on in terms of senior quarterbacks. But, you know, I can see that. I, think I totally get it. I can't find another senior signal caller that I get excited about that says, hey, you know what? I want to invest a draft pick in this kid. You know, and you know, and I got to say, the thing that hurts, and, and, and I like that you bring that up because the thing that to me is so interesting about him. We don't know how great he's going to be as a passer when he gets to the NFL level. That's to be determined. But the thing you know is 
you're not going to get a better kid. I mean, this is the kid that's going to be everything you could ever ask for in the locker room, everything you ever ask for in terms of as a teammate, um, hard work and everything. So even if you end up being wrong, and this kid can never be a starter, he could be that type of guy that's a 10-year backup, a guy like um, the, the the kid that came out of Iowa State about 11, 12 years ago, Seneca Wallace. I mean, oh, wow. a, a guy like that who has a long NFL career but just isn't able to become a starter because he maybe lacks a little bit of accuracy and things like that. But, yeah, there's no doubt Hurts is a guy that's got to be considered. But i got to tell you, I don't know if I could say that, that Nate Stanley – or the Gordon kid from Washington State, I'd have a hard time saying they, they're, they're not guys I would draft. I mean, if I'm if I'm down sitting in the fourth, fifth round, and and my team has a guy like a Philip Rivers, or who's near near in the end, or or even a, well, maybe not Big Ben because they have Rudolph, but a, a Brady, where you don't know who your next quarterback may be, and your quarterback's a hundred years old, I, I think a guy like a Nate Stanley or a Gordon, someone that's at least shown something, I'd have to consider him. I'm not saying I'd take him in the first three rounds, but you get down to day three, you got to start hoping you can find somebody to come in and maybe give you a chance. And, and there are some other senior guys, but I get your point with Hurts, and I will say character and tangible-wise, which are often the most important parts of a quarterback, he's got all of those things times ten. He's phenomenal in those areas. Yeah, and I agree. I think Stanley is the next guy in terms of senior class and – you know, my thing is with Hurts, I agree with you. I think the accuracy is a legitimate concern. And, you know, if I were to take him on day three, I would feel good about it. But because this uh, quarterback class, and we'll see how the underclassmen declare, but because of the way this quarterback class is uh, currently, I, I think Hurts gets pushed up to that day two range. And for me, uh, I don't know. It's a little too rich for my blood. Um, I'd feel much better about having him on a day three draft pick, but, uh, you know, just some other guys real quick in this game and shout out to, uh, Baylor, the magical mystical ride that they had Matt rule and the job he's done there is fantastic. And Hey, keep an eye on that defensive tackle. They got James Lynch. Uh, we just released yep. a new mock draft for the NFL draft Bible subscription package, James Lynch creeping into that first round. As uh, I believe uh, we have Ken Murray, that Oklahoma linebacker, that's a player I'm excited about because you know what, Russ? This guy's got a chip on the shoulder the size of Mount Everest. Uh, he's a tough, hard-nosed, mean son of a gun. And, uh, just a and he plays like it. Yeah, no, I love his mentality. And that's the kind of player I want leading my defense. So um, those are two guys, I think, moving up draft boards and, again, uh, we could sit here and talk about Oklahoma and, and Baylor probably all all show along, but uh, we got a lot of other good topics we're going to cover here in the show. We're going to give you uh, a look ahead at the upcoming weekend. We're going to profile a, a couple small school guys, uh, but you know we're getting closer now, Russ, to the All Star Game circuit, uh, less than two months away which means draft season is right around the corner. Of course, it's always draft season here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. But, uh, hey, you know, let's go take a dip in the pool. Let's go skinny dipping. Uh, give us the lowdown on a, on a player here that, you know, has kind of popped onto your radar that maybe you're a little bit higher on than some of the other folks out there in the draft world. 
You know, you know, and and I probably have mentioned him occasionally, just in passing as we've talked. But there's a kid at Wisconsin, outside linebacker named Zach Bond. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about him going into this year. Um, Wisconsin defensive players generally don't get a ton of pub because they're all the pub there comes from their whole line and running backs. But I'll tell you one thing: when you put on the film of their defense, this kid is almost shot out of a cannon. He's just all over the field getting in the backfield, he's not only pressuring the quarterback, he's getting hits on the quarterback, he's disrupting plays, he's chasing down running backs. This kid is like the Energizer Bunny. I mean, he is explosive. Um, he's not a real big kid. He's probably about 6'2", 6'3", 230, 235 pounds. But I think when you look at this kid, if you're a team that is okay with a guy that is a little bit undersized at your your pass rush position, whether you're playing at 34 or 43, this kid to me has got that juice to get the corner and to be to be a disruptive force on the edge. I really like this kid, and I don't want to start overhyping and starting to get, get crazy here, but, you know, the Burns kid that came out of Florida State last year, I mean, a lot of people had questions about him because he was in that 220 to 230s. People didn't know how big he was going to be in the NFL and how productive, but he's been really productive so far. Um, obviously, the injury um, is an issue now, but long-term, I think this kid has proven he is going to be a very productive NFL pass rusher. And although this Bond needs to play a little bit better in terms of with leverage, I mean, in terms of when he's rushing, he's got to get that pad level down. I mean, when I watch this kid and his first step off the ball, his explosiveness, his hand use, I mean, this kid gets me excited that if I were a team that liked not only use undersized guys, but move them around, rush them inside, rush them outside, let those guys sort of be different. I like this kid. I think this kid's got something to him. I think he's a little bit more explosive and athletic in term, a, a, compared to the kid from Michigan that the Patriots took, Winovich. But I think they're very similar in terms of their energy and their intensity and their passion. So to me, I look at this kid and I say, okay, there's no way he's getting that. The second round is the latest this kid's going. And I, th- I really think that when all is said and done, you've got to be thinking about first round with this kid because there just aren't many dynamic, explosive edge guys. It's hard to find them. So whether he's a top guy, the top guy, or a second or third guy in this draft in terms of pass rushers, you can't find elite pass rushers. And this kid, to me, has got a lot of the physical tools to be an elite pass rusher at the NFL level. Well, hey, you know, um, every team needs a good edge rusher. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz around this kid. He's got uh, 14 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. So he's really doing a great job. And, you know, I was, I'm going to have to go two for the price of one because my, my under-the-radar prospect was actually going to be a fullback because I believe in making the fullbacks great again. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to him. But because you brought up edge rusher, we're going to break a little news here. And uh, it has not yet been announced. But speaking of edge rushers, the NFLPA Bowl has invited Cam Gill of Wagner. And this is a guy, six foot two and change, 245, uh, nearly 40 career sacks. He's, he's a handful of sacks away from the FCS record. Um, again, we've, you know, talking about him throughout the year, Terrence Knight and pot roast is working with him on the defensive line. And I'm really excited. I'll tell you what, Russ, talking to Dane yesterday and getting this kid into the uh, NFL PA bowl, it was more rewarding than any paycheck I received because this is what the game is built for. This is what it's designed to do. Provide a kid like Cam Gill 
and a, a platform and an equal playing field to go up against some of these hog mollies, these power five conference players that are going to be out in Pasadena. And you know what? There's a few teams that have them as a day three guy. Most teams kind of view him as a priority free agent, but I got news for you. He's going to come into Pasadena, and if he has himself a strong week, he is going to move up draft boards, and that's what it's all about. Oh, there's no question. I mean, giving these kids an opportunity, um, Wagner, when you look at him just in recent years, I mean, Greg Sinatra in the NFL, I mean, this is a kid that was a tremendous athlete. Wagner's got a long history of sort of having some under-the-radar guys that don't get that initial attention, but, but when they get into the league, they end up doing well. I'm excited for him. I, I tell you what, I don't know if I've ever seen the NFL PA Bowl go and find so many guys that everybody isn't talking about. And that, to me, is sort of what's exciting when you talk about what's going on there. I mean, to me, the hardest part of scouting is going to those small schools and comparing them because you're watching film. Almost every player you're watching them go against is a guy that next year is going to be flipping burgers or working an accounting firm. So identifying <laughs> speed, being able to compare that, it's not easy. So the opportunity to take a kid from a small school, whether it's a Wagner or Northwest Missouri or an Evangel College, when you can stick them into one of these all-star games, it gives enormous help for scouts to be able to truly evaluate the kid's explosiveness. How does he do when he's not the big fish in a little pond anymore? How does he do when he's just another guy? So I love it. I'm excited to see this kid when I come out there to the NFLPA. Um, and I, my guess is I'm going to get out there, and this kid's going to be crushing it and just stand out above almost everybody because knowing your history of finding guys, man, this kid's probably going to be a superstar and come out there, and all of a sudden he's going to be a high draft pick, and you were the one who found him and dragged him out to California. Hey, I'm jacked up about it, man. I can't even tell you. I'm looking forward to it. I know Cam ain't going to disappoint. I don't want to overhype him too much and, and, and put you, put him up on too much of a pedestal yeah, exactly. where he can't meet the expectations. I'm really fired up uh, for Cam Gale. And I'm fired up, too, speaking of small, smaller school players. And, uh, you know, they are FBS. But, you know, the Sun Belt Conference down there at South Alabama, uh, one and nine, winless in the conference. But they got this do-it-all running back by the name of Tra Minter. And shout-out to Ron Hill, a longtime NFL executive and both with the league office and NFL teams and, you know, over 40 years of uh, experience. You know, hat tip to him for finding this one. And, we, you know, hopefully Jim Nagy isn't listening to the podcast right now because we feel like we kind of snuck one in there right in his backyard at South Alabama, the running back Tron Minster. So uh, we're excited for that one. The one we didn't uh, sneak by Nagy, uh, and he's doing a great job there, Russ, is the Cincinnati fullback, or the Cincinnati tight end, I should say, Josiah DeGuara. And, you know, we were all getting ready to mail out his invitation for the NFL PA Bowl to come represent as one of our fullbacks because he is six foot two. Um, you know, and then the, the next day, the Senior Bowl invited him, and, and congratulations to him, well-deserved. Um, but Joseph DeGuara from Cincinnati was going to be my under-the-radar guy, and, you know, he's kind of like that tight end, H-back mold. I think he'll have to transition to fullback at the next level. Um, so there's my under-the-radar player for you. Uh, Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. We've been doing this each and every week for the past three months. Woo, time flies. 
and uh, you know we're locked and loaded. Each week we'll be uh, counting you down to the 2020 Las Vegas draft. And uh, hey, Russ, you know we always like to shine the spotlight on some small school players. We already threw a handful out there, but I uh, wanted to work in some small school guys and all the draft Nick aficionados that tune in each and every week. I know they appreciate it as well. So hit us with one more uh, small school prospect guy if you can. Well, you know, I'm going to give you one. He's not so much a small school. I think he's sort of a small, off-the-radar guy. And he's actually playing in the Big Ten, um, and he's a defensive end named Joe Graziano. This is a guy that when I watched film in Northwest, I kept saying, this guy's a senior? Why am I not hearing anything about him? And when you watch him, he's not a super phenomenal athlete, and I know he's not getting any national attention to be a high draft pick, but I keep watching them. Every game I watch on a Big Ten opponent, and I'm doing the offense, this kid is making plays. Now, I'm not saying this kid is a guy that is going to be going first round or even first two days, but there's something about this kid, and I know he's not a small school kid, but I wanted to bring him up because he's a strong kid. He's a little bit stiff, but he's very smart, plays his position well, plays with a great motor. This is the type of kid that a lot of time comes in that seventh round, free agent type, ends up sticking around in the league for a few years, Something about this kid I like, and I just want to bring his name up when we're talking about sort of under-the-radar guys, even though obviously playing at Northwestern is not the same as playing at Northwest Missouri or Wagner, but I thought his name deserved mentioning here. Or Northwestern State. <laughs> but hey, yeah, exactly. Uh, I did see uh, he, he did get an uh, all-star invitation. I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it was the East-West Shrine Bowl. Um, but he will he will get an opportunity on the All Star circuit to kind of get that hype train moving along. And uh, of course, January 18th, you got the NFL PA Bowl, the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, January 25th, the Senior Bowl. January 26th, the Hula Bowl. We'll see how that shakes out. But uh, you know, we're breaking it all down, and uh, that brings me up to the upcoming weekend, Russ. I'm going to be. Uh, Shooting up a uh, very short road trip for me as one of my uh, favorite rides up to uh, Piscataway. And I'm expecting an announcement oh. any day about Greg Ciano here and uh, looking forward to linking up with Mr. Ciano. I'm, I'm anticipating him being at this game for the Michigan State uh, Spartans matchup. And, hey, uh, you know, Michigan State has got uh, Brian Lewerke speaking of senior signal callers having a down year this year. But still, you know, when, when you have a four-year starter, uh, I think the last one under Mark D'Antonio was Kirk Cousins. You know, you have to um, take all that into account in terms of, you know, the football IQ, the NFL style of coaching. And, you know, I know last year he had some uh, issues with his throwing shoulder. I don't think that's been an issue this year as far as I know of. But uh, any thoughts real quick? One. Yeah, any any thoughts quickly on the worky uh, before we get into this weekend? You know, I mean, he you you want him to be better than he is. I mean, every game he makes one or two throws. You say, okay, that's an NFL throw. That that's what I want to see. But why doesn't he do it all the time? And that's what frustrates me because to me, I don't think there's much doubt that at least when he does everything perfectly. He's got enough talent to, to stick as, as maybe a third-string guy in the NFL. But the problem is I just don't see it consistently. 
I see him being a guy that really struggles when he's got to adjust, when stuff gets in his face. He can't really say, you know what, I'm going to step, I'm going to slide, I'm going to move, I'm going to reset and make this play. He seems to get flustered. Um, so I've been disappointed. Um, overall, I think <laughs> any player this year, and it's rare to say for Michigan State because they have such a strong program, and, and Coach Antonio's done such a great job of really getting guys sort of like Iowa where they don't always get the top recruits, but they coach the heck out of them and win a lot of games. Brian has just been disappointing to me this year for a team that usually overachieves. I think they've underachieved this year, not played up to their talent level. And it's been disappointing to see Lewerke not really stand out the way I thought he would this year. No, agree. And I wanted to get your perspective because uh, nobody breaks down quarterbacks better than Russ in the business as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, speaking of that, Russ, I know you teach the sports management worldwide, uh, GM and football course. And, um, I'm curious to know, do you get involved? Do, you, do your students get a taste of your uh, QB formula that you've kind of crafted here over the years? Well, they don't so much get a taste of, like, me showing them the formula, but we talk a lot about player evaluation. Um, we go position by position each week. And, and the quarterback position, I, I try to stress to them so much that, and you know this, you've been doing this forever just like me, is, when you look at running backs or you look at receivers or even pass rushers, so much of it really is athleticism and ability to do things on the field physically. When you watch a quarterback, it's great that you can watch the film and see the arm strength and see the accuracy and the quick release. But a quarterback is the only position I believe in uh, that's on the field playing other than maybe place kicker where 90% of the success really is above the shoulders. And that, to me, is something I stress to these kids when they're taking the class is, hey, when you watch a quarterback, you can't just watch it like you do a running back and say, oh, he's quick, he makes a sharp cut. you got to rewind that sucker over and over because you say, okay, what was his first read? Where was he supposed to be going with the ball? Did he make the read not only correct, but was he quick? Did he drop back? Did he get his eyes to the right place? Did he start going through his progressions? Is he going to be – because if a guy's not quick, even if he makes good decisions, when you get to the NFL, you don't know if he can – become faster processing things. So I try to teach the kids that of all the positions, you just have to focus so much on really grinding the little things on the film. And even then with quarterbacks, so much of it comes down to meeting with the kid, meeting with the coaches, figuring out the kid's work ethic, his mental aptitude, his football intangibles, football character, all of those things, just to give you a, a chance of being correct on these quarterbacks, because it is so hard to get them consistently correct in terms of evaluations. Absolutely, and I think that's really the the big appeal to uh, uh, Jake Fromm of Georgia is, you know, what's between the ears, what he does pre-snap, how he's able to read through his progressions and break down a, a defense, and you can tell he's a student of the game. He probably spends. Uh, just as much time, if not more time, in the film room as he does in the classroom, and and it shows on the field. So you hey, know, I, I uh, want to make a point there because I've heard a lot of people this week saying, "Oh, he disappointed versus Auburn. His draft stock is falling." And I know that there were things he missed, and they only scored 21 points, and he 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 didn't put up huge numbers, and no doubt he made some mistakes. But there were about three plays in the game. And I didn't write down where they were, but I was watching the game. And I saw three times in the game where I said, wow, that was a really smart move. You could see he identified pre-snap what was going on. But when he took the ball, they made an adjustment. And he was able to mentally say, all right, I'm going to get off that. I'm going to go to this. And boom, made the right decision, made the right throw, and got rid of the ball. And I said, okay. Yeah, there were some throws he missed. And there were also some throws that I was like, ooh, 
He needed a little more power there. He needed to drive that throw. Definitely didn't have the best game, but those three plays indicated to me just what you were talking about with him, which is above the shoulders, I think this kid gets it. And that is so vital. And when you look at a guy like Chad Pennington, I don't think anybody that ever evaluated Chad Pennington when he was at Marshall came away saying, yep, strongest arm, great athlete, going to be able to win games, just put the team on his back. He's so physically gifted. No, people came away saying, I think he has enough of an arm to maybe get by. He's never going to win any foot races, but mentally he's going to win every battle. And that's why I think teams felt, you know what, this kid's got a chance to be a quality starter. And when I look at Fromm, I sort of see a little Pennington, different style player in terms of how he throws and stuff like that. But in terms of that his game is above the shoulder, it's all a mental battle with him. I'm very intrigued to see how he does on Sundays. I still think he'd be better off staying another year, um, getting better maybe building up a little bit of arm strength, because that's my one, one of the few things that, that I, I do wonder if he can make all the NFL throws. But in terms of mental, God, he is impressive. Yeah, no, every every game there's a handful of plays where if you're paying attention, he makes an audible or a pre-snap adjustment read that uh, results in a big play. And, you know, the other thing going back to Pennington, the next thing they said, Russ, is, who the heck is that receiver he's throwing to? <laughs> we got to yeah, exactly. He wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for those of you who might not know, that would be the one, the only uh, he got Moss, as in Randy Moss. Um, but we have. Now, I'll give you. I know we always <laughs> like to get some funny stories in, so I'll give you a funny story about Randy yes, Moss. Go. I was at the Rams at Gopher at the time, and I didn't grade Moss coming out. I didn't grade him I was I was a gopher I was doing sort of small school things and random assignments but we're in the draft room and we had I don't know how many scouts a handful of scouts and coaches and, and we had gigantic grades on Moss we had questions about the character and stuff like that um but we had one scout who gave him like a fifth round grade as a player forgetting the character just a player and I remember our GM saying he said hold on a second he said and, and I'm not going to identify the scout because every scout misses that's that, that's part of it, and you have to accept that. But I still remember the GM saying, he goes, and this was a time when he still had video cassettes. So he said, get me the, get me the cassette of all his catches. So he brought it in, the beta, the beta cam tape. We put it in, and we watched every catch of his college career. And he turned to that scout, and he never fired him. Didn't The guy stayed with the team. There was no issue with that. But he turned to him and said, I'm not sure what you were doing that day when you went to Marshall. But he said, one thing I can tell you weren't doing is you weren't watching film. Because he said, if you saw that and you said that's fifth round, he said, something wasn't working in your brain today. He said, <laughs> and, and like I said, he didn't fire him. And this guy's been a very good scout for a long time. But it was just funny that he could joke about, hey, everybody's got a bad day. Even the best scouts are going to miss. And he basically said, hey, you had a bad day. You did not grade this guy. You clearly were either not focusing or whatever. Because he even talked about in the report, he said, I'm not sure if he can pull away. I don't know if he's got the the athleticism. And we're watching this highlight reel saying, wait a second. What? <laughs> I mean, this guy wasn't just good at, at Marshall. He may he have been was, the best receiver to come out 10, 15 years yeah. in the draft. So it was just a funny story. And we all laughed about it because, man, when that guy became a star, we ripped that scout. Up and down. Every time we saw him at different All Star games and stuff, we'd be yeah. like, "Man, it's a good thing he's such a terrible player." 
<laughs> nah, that's a great one. And, you know, in his defense, I mean, the only the only uh, line of defense I can give him is I think Marshall was still one double A at the time. So, I mean, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, you're a little bit hesitant to stand on the table for the small school guy. And, you know, no it, it could be that, that that small school label kind of always sitting like in the back of your head. Like, hey, do I do I really want to put my reputation on the line for this kid? But I mean, no, Moss was just uh, he was a freak on, of on next level type of <laughs> freak. Yeah. So, uh no, the, 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 those were some great, great highlights. And uh, Pennington to Moss, I mean, and that was before the, uh, you know, Chad Pennington shoulder surgery, which he endured, I think, somewhere between the Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, and he really became a dinker and a dunker, but he was also the most cerebral quarterback in the league. So, um, Russ, there's going to be a, a bunch of good quarterbacks in action uh, this weekend. I'm looking at that Penn State-Ohio State matchup. Uh, that's that's looking like the headliner this weekend. Oh, there's no question. That one's going to be a big one. I'm excited to see how Chase Young does if he does get back on the field this week. I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, two games I can't wait to see. One of them, I already mentioned the kid from Wisconsin, Bond, But I want to see Purdue-Wisconsin for two reasons. Bryce Hopkins is a tight end that is not getting a ton of national attention in the media, but you and I have been talking about how much we both like this kid. He just got a senior bowl invite. Um, This kid's a really good tight end. I I think he's actually going to, at worst, be a second-round pick, could slip into the first round. Well, not only is he going against Wisconsin where Bourne, he's going to have to probably block Bourne occasionally, and maybe Bourne will cover him every once in a while. But Chris Orr, the inside linebacker for Wisconsin, who's super productive, highly competitive. I don't think he's a good athlete. This is a great challenge for Orr to prove to people like me who wonder about his athleticism, can he cover NFL tight ends? And this is an opportunity for Orr to make a statement. And if he steps up and has a good game, then you know what? I think he's going to help his draft stock. And in addition, Purdue's got an offensive tackle named McCann. I think he's a borderline free agent. I don't even – I mean, I think he's, you're talking late round free agent type, not very impressive. Well, again, just like Orr, here's this kid's opportunity because he's going, he's going to get Zach Bourne at least probably 30% of the snaps. He's going to have to block him. If he holds his own, all of a sudden McCann can, can sort of rise up and say, hey, I blocked one of the best pass rushers in America. So that's a game I'm 100% going to watch. And the other one I want to see, Tua gets hurt. Everybody wants to proclaim Burrow the guy, but really there is no definitive guy other than Burrow. There's no other guy that everybody's saying is the guy. Here's a Bears chance to move up. He, he's been discussed as maybe the third guy. Well, here's his chance to maybe become two, maybe become one, because no one knows to his status until he gets his medical check. Well, he's going against Arizona State. Now, they're not a dominant team. They've lost four games in a row, but they do have Coach Edwards. They have a very – unique defense they do things differently they make it tough on quarterbacks in terms of moving guys around different coverages throughout this would be a good test for herbert to show how does he do in games when the defense does different things when they line up the same time three or four times and the coverage is different every time that's what i want to see how does herbert do it because i'm not sold on him as a quarterback so i think this would be a good test to see how he does against an nfl not caliber in terms of talent but caliber in terms of scheme defense 
And, you know, our guy, Marvin Lewis, uh, one of the head coaches for the NFL PA Bowl, he is now a special advisor to Herm Edwards over there on that football staff, which is, you know, really just a uh, kind of a, a, a pro you know, NFL like type of coach. I mean, I mean, you got Kevin Malai, uh, Antonio Pierce. Uh, you, you guys might remember um, – uh, the quarterback from a couple years ago, Burke Gavici, I think is, is his name. Yeah. But, I mean, yep. you know, this, you're right. This is a pro-style type of uh, coaching staff, and you know that, hey, um, you better come ready because even though they're like a 500 record, they're in every game. They're competitive in every game. And, you know, to your point about hey, Herbert, I mean, I feel like he's played good but not great. There hasn't been that signature yeah. game yet. And, you know, I still think he has all the tools, and I think he'll go. I mean, you talk about the Dolphins and the Bengals and all these teams that need a quarterback. I still think he goes top ten, Russ. I mean, it's, it's definitely just the possible. state we're obviously, living in. Obviously, to his health is going to be big. Where does he check out? And where do people put Eason? I think those are probably the two factors that affect um, Herbert's or Bear or Herbert, whatever you want to pronounce it, um, that affect where he's going in the in the draft. But I got to tell you, if as long as he stays healthy, with his athleticism and arm strength, there's no. I mean, I I've been wrong occasionally on where guys get picked, but generally with quarterbacks, it's hard to see a guy like him getting out of the first round, regardless of how good or how bad I or you think he is. It's just impossible to find quarterbacks, and that's why they always, always go higher in the draft than you anticipate. You know, one last quarterback I want to pick your brain on here as we wind it down, uh, Jordan Love. I mean, uh, here's a guy who has had spectacular games, but then on the opposite end of the spectrum, he's had some really terrible games. I mean, there's like two or three games where he threw like three or four picks, and you know, with that being said, he still has a great arm. He can make all the throws. He's got that arm town, that confidence to squeeze the ball through tight windows. Does he squeeze into the first round, or is he more of a day two guy now? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, we, the reality is, guy, and we just like we were just talking about guys with elite talent. Oftentimes, even if they don't play like a first rounder, when the season ends and you start getting into workouts and pro days and coaches get involved. And one of the great and terrible things about coaches involved in the scouting process, and I don't, and I'm not, don't mean this as disrespect to coach, I mean it is both a positive and a negative, is a coach in his truest form, a coach is a teacher. And a teacher believes I can make guys better. I can correct flaws. I can motivate. I can improve their, their, their processing and learning ability. So when they see this kid, they're probably saying, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of frustration here, a little bit of inconsistency, but God, look at that talent. Look at that arm. And that's why quarterbacks always move up. They always get pushed up because there are always going to be coaches that not all of them are going to agree on a guy, but there are going to be some that say, I, I can take this guy's raw skill set and I can make him something. And because of that, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to say he won't at least be a second and could push into that first, A, depending on how his workouts go, and B, depending on what ends up being the situation with Tua. Does he come out 
And if he does come out, does he get full medical clearance? Which I think those will be tied very closely. I don't think he will come out unless the first week of January he gets checked out and everything they say says you're going to get full medical when you go to the NFL Combine. They're going to say you'll be 100% for this season. If he doesn't hear that in the first week of January, I don't think he comes out for the draft. And if that's the case, yeah, he could jump in the first round. Wow. Well, you know what? This is a rare case with Tua because if I'm if I'm advising Tua, I'm saying, you know what? Just do it, man. Just 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 go because, you know, last year it was the ankle. Now it's the hip. Yep. I mean, this guy's going to come back again at 6 feet tall. If he gets hurt again, I mean, his his career could already possibly be in limbo. They're talking about this is a Bo Jackson type, a Marvin uh, Jones type of hip injury. And it's, you know, it's funny because I was doing that mock draft and I'm saying, where, where, how far does Tua slide? How far does Tua slide? I mean, with Tom Brady getting up there in age and the New England Patriots sitting on all these draft picks, if he's around for that 32nd pick or 30th pick, whatever, I mean, I have a hard time seeing uh, uh, – the Patriots bypassing the hair parents of Tom Brady. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I mean, if you're the kid, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to stay in school. Um, but I could understand, and I wouldn't be shocked if he does, if they say you're going to need, you're not going to be healthy um, and ready to roll any time for the NFL to give you clearance. So you may end up being a second or third round pick because of this. He may decide to go back and say, I want to be the first because getting that first, you get big money in the top two or three picks. But you know what? When you look at this kid, if he's healthy, wow, he's awfully good. And I think some team, if he comes out, even with medical questions, I think somebody late in that first round, I agree, somebody's going to roll the dice. A Chargers team, Patriots team, somebody that's looking for the heir apparent, the next guy. He he's he's a really intriguing player. His film is a lot more impressive than I thought it would be as I've started to really get down into the nitty-gritty with him. And yeah, and you know, to me, if you are the Saints or the Patriots or, you know, the Chargers, you're picking later on in the draft, and, you know, you're saying – I'm saying to myself, well, hey, if he was healthy, he might be the number one pick, and, heck, I might have a chance to get him at 31. I'm pulling the trigger all day. Yep, 100%. 100%. You have to roll the dice. Just like, and it didn't work out, just like Arizona took Robert Kimdichie, that's a guy that's a top three pick if he's got his yeah. head screwed on straight. So you got to roll the When you're in the 30s and a guy that could potentially be the first pick overall is there, sometimes you just got to roll those dice. I mean, the Vikings did it, and we, we talked about earlier Randy Moss. The Vikings did it with Moss. Nobody... Yeah. No team in the league didn't have him as a top three player in the whole draft, but nobody wanted to take that gamble until they were in the 17 or 18. And that's why he was sitting there. So sometimes you just got to roll those dice. And I think with Tua, if he doesn't get full medical clearance, I still think somebody's going to roll the dice on him. Because like, you, like you're talking about, Patriots, Chargers, I mean, those are teams that are desperate to find the next quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, Warren Sapp, another guy that, you know, yeah. Perfect example. When guys start sliding, you can't pass up elite guys. Somebody is going to take them because even though there's a huge risk, they're so talented. You just don't get shots at rare special guys outside of the top four or five very often. So even if and there's I'll give a headache, you one last one. 
How about Laramie Tunsil? I mean, we were talking about him being the first pick just minutes before the draft. He slides yep. to 13. And then what? I think they parlayed him. They got two first-round picks in exchange for him. Yep. Or if we even want to go back years and years ago, how about Dan Marino? Yeah. In the 20s. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is a guy that falls because of supposed drug rumors or whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. And I think the Dolphins look at it and say, I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care <laughs> – What's going on? <laughs> this guy's we'll the first shot. or second pick with Elway. We're going to roll the dice here. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, uh, it's been another hour of power here as we wind it down. We're going to go to Russ for a parting shot. But just a reminder, you know, you can check out his online uh, scouting course, football and GM scouting course at sportsmanagementworldwide.com. Of course, keep it locked to the infectiousscouting.com for all his latest draft updates as we get closer and closer to Las Vegas. And then, hey, if you haven't subscribed, if you're not a disciple yet of the NFL Draft Bible, well, hey, we've been preaching the good gospel of the NFL Draft since 2002, family-owned and operated. Support the cause, baby. Get behind it. I guarantee you, just like Joe Namen said, it'll be uh, worth your investment. You'll come out victorious. And uh, major, major scouting update went out today. Uh, we had updated rankings and big boards and in-season scouting and mock drafts and uh, all-star game invitations, uh, some of which have not yet been publicly announced. So, hey, if you want to be in the know, you got to go. NFLDraftBible.com, all access package. And we appreciate all the love and support out there. So uh, with that being said, Russ, we're going to turn it over for a parting shot. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Any last uh, words of advice you want to leave our listening audience with? Just two quick things. Firstly, just want the, the 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 most important is that as I'm as I'm walking around my house here doing this podcast, I am wearing my awesome blue NFL Bible sweatshirt. So nice. NFL Draft Bible, thank you for the sweatshirt. There doesn't get any better. Yes. And the second thing I got to throw out there is, hey, I know we're talking NFL. I know we're talking NFL Draft. But hey, NFL fans, take a break Sunday. Flip the TV. CFL Great Cup. Yes. Winnipeg, Hamilton, going to the mats, championship of the CFL Sunday. Turn it on. If you want to see great football, Dane Evans, former big-time college quarterback, up there leading the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a game. Zach Caleros from over at Cincinnati. Um, He's over with Winnipeg now, played at University of Cincinnati, put up ridiculous numbers. He's a quarterback for Winnipeg. Neither team has won a title in over 20 years. It's going to be a great game. Check it out and learn a little bit about Canadian football, which is very similar, but there's some unique differences that will make this game a lot of fun to watch. Oh, it'll be more exciting than an NFL game. I can guarantee you that. Um, You know, and, hey, listen, Dane Evans was a guy my one year as director of uh, personnel for the College Gridiron Showcase. Dane Evans was one of our quarterbacks, and we had three players selected in the NFL draft that year. I believe, I'm pretty sure, 99.9% sure the Cosgrid Iron Showcase hasn't had a player drafted since then. But, hey, that's neither here nor there, Russ. What I do want to say, shout out to my guy. <laughs> shout out to my guy, uh, Ted Gavay, up in Winnipeg, who's uh, a, a grinder like no other. I mean, the man just travels uh, uh, both continents, <laughs> you know, uh, North does. America. <laughs> I mean, he's all over the uh, place, and I know this game means a lot to him, and, and 
hats off to him because he's he's one of the hardest workers in the business. Uh, so we'll be tuned in, locked and loaded, 6 p.m. Sunday. Hey, that'll be a nice in-between game, too. Uh, you know, in between the 4 o'clock and night game, it's going to be lighting up the scoreboard. I mean, Kalaros is on fire. Um, I'm really looking forward and to that one. Hey. It's going to be a little bit cold, a little western, little western weather mm-hmm. there. This ain't, this ain't going to be a, a toasty 30-degree game. I bet they're going to be in the, oh, yeah. the teens or, or single digits up there. The CFL for a reason, and uh, you know what? We'll come back. We'll talk about that. We'll get that game. We'll sneak that into next week's podcast. We'll take a look at uh, all the comings and goings, the happenings, the risers, the sliders, and the best NFL draft info providers. That would be Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.